Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartman. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a number of years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Yes, indeed. And we are still in the midst of this COVID pandemic. Um, Some areas are flattening the curve and there's hope. And I have this fear that like in the midst of this, that that people are going to get too comfortable too quickly and we're going to have like a backslide. Yep. You know what I mean? So I know it's been hard. working from home or ministering from uh, kind of a distance and, and things like that. Um, but I want to encourage you to continue to do so. Um, Matt, your your wife is actually a doctor, a medical care professional, and I think she would echo that sentiment. Yeah. When you say backslide, what do you mean? To where it's like, okay, well, we've we've gotten over the curve, and so now let's all go hang out with each other again. Gotcha. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we reinfect, and it's like, oh, never mind, the curve is resurging. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the tough thing. And like you've even mentioned it, you know, is that, you know, all the events that, that we ministry leaders had planned for this summer, they probably still shouldn't happen, you know, because, because of that fact, you know, the, the likelihood of us reinfecting everybody and having to do it even worse all over again. It's like, take your medicine, stay inside and stay inside until the end, you know, when the doctor said to stay inside. Yeah, exactly. And so this is still going to be hard. And that's that's really what, what we wanted to dive into today is like, what does it look like to acknowledge that reality? And so I've been reading this book, reading, I've been listening to a book. It's called <laughs> The Culture Code, The Secrets of Highly Successful Groups. And it's by Daniel uh, Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. And uh, he, he gets into the story talking about successful, different successful industries. He talks about Pixar. Uh, He talks about um, Upright Citizens Brigade, which is a comedy troupe that has had a number of different people go right for The Daily Show and Parks and Rec and all these different things. And he talks about uh, SEAL Team 6 and the Navy SEAL process. Okay. And the the Navy SEAL process, it all started, you know, where they have kind of that that hell week is what they call it, you know? Mm Uh, that all started by some guy in, uh, in in the 30s go go off to a world war and meet a bunch of French people who were like so tight, so close, and they just seemed like they knew what to do. And it almost seemed like there wasn't a single leader in the group, but that they thought with like a hive mind, with one mind. And he spent time with them, and then he went back. And he was just like an average soldier. He didn't really – he had bad eyesight, so he wasn't ever – able to to join the military he volunteered in other ways and then he starts leading this training program for the navy seals Mm -hmm. and they're like what are you doing i thought we were just going to put him through a couple of tests and make sure that we get the best of the best of the best and instead he put them in in situations where they had to show how they function as a team how they function as one Mm. and one of the aspects that comes through in all of it in all of those different categories is the aspect of vulnerability in leadership. Hmm. And so typically in uh, the most traditional sense, what is people's experience when they think about, oh, leaders and vulnerability? I would say typically they, uh, they actually probably show a calloused, you know, they don't show the real, you know, issues they go through. They don't show their real struggles. They, they put on a front, they put on a face to seem strong and confident. And so what does that mean? It means that when the uh, when the, the ship is starting to sink, they look to the captain, and if the captain doesn't know what to do, he has to pretend like he has a solution, 
and everyone goes down. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. But there's 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 examples that, that are given in this book where it talks about situations where the ship is sinking, or actually in this case, an airplane is going down, and the captain says, I don't know what to do, and then the co-pilot steps up and says, okay, then let me share my knowledge, and their knowledge together was able to navigate what one person's knowledge in and of itself wasn't able to do. Yeah, and the and the team was used to that kind of behavior, you know, because it wasn't a I know everything, you do what I say, a kind of mentality. Right, that everything, uh, everyone is a part of the the win. Everyone is a part of adding value, and uh, and and I I bring that up because I think right now a lot of people are looking to ministry leaders for solutions. Mm. And I think that we just need to say, like, this is hard for us as well. Yeah. I, I miss the way ministry used to be, but I don't have the complete solution. If your teen, if your child, if your um, formation is going to continue in some way, then we've got to figure out how to, how to journey this, this road together because we're in un- uncharted territory. So in a way, the situation we're in is, is sort of forcing teamwork. Well, e- either that or it's, or it's for- forcing um, uh, polarization. Yeah. To where it's like, well, we don't have the solution, so we're going to just uh, send out this email and say, hey, go check out this online resource, and that's it. Yeah. We're not going to follow up with phone calls and say, how is it going? Like, Because we've never done that to where it's all at-home study. Or mm-hmm. We've never done it to where it's a Zoom meeting. It's like we haven't had this student participate in. Yeah, we, we've only ever had um, internet on our phones, so we don't really have the data to be able to do that. It's like, whoa. Here's a whole nother piece of like, how do I partner with this? And, and we don't see those things unless we're like, hey, we've never done this before. And I'm going to be vulnerable enough to say that I need your input and your help to be able to do this. And I need you to do this with me. And, and we are, that's the only way the ship is not going to sink is if we all bring our ideas together and our work together. So, so what would that look like you know, from different perspectives? So from the pastor's perspective, from the DRE or the youth minister's perspective, you know, like what would that look like from the pastor's perspective? Well, one thing that I've seen is a, a couple of uh, friends of mine on, on social media have posted letters that their pastors have, uh, have shared, mm. right? And, uh, and, and some of those letters are, uh, I have financial responsibilities as a pastor of this parish, and our, our collections have been way down. Like, I, I need your guys' help to keep this parish running, even though you guys aren't able to come up here. Mm-hmm. Like that type of vulnerability to, to acknowledge, like, as a, as a father, as a pastor, like this is what I'm struggling with, and this is how I need your help, because the typical person would want to be like, I have enough uh, enough grain in the storehouses to weather this storm. Don't don't worry, we're going to be fine. Um, but that's not the case. Or it could even be, I'm going to let everybody go, um, and you know, hunker down. I will take care of it. I don't need your help. Yeah, yeah. That 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 would be the other one. Yeah, yeah. is is to distance, but. But I, I, I do not believe that, so let me say it differently. The situations where the pastor is letting people go are situations where it's the leadership that, that might be absent vulnerability. The situations where the pastor communicates and it's the parish letting people go to where they see it's the parish letting people go, not just the pastor. I think that those are going to be the ones that re-onboard people a lot quicker in the future because the parish or the parishioners see themselves through the pastor's vulnerability and leadership 
that it is our decision as a parish because we've chosen not to give in this time or we have chosen to make these decisions during this time, as opposed to the pastor who might already feel isolated. Yeah. Like, I, I totally I totally appreciate the behavior and understand where it's coming from. And there's certain situations where you have to let people go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's no no fault, no blame, no guilt, you know, in that. I mean, it's it sucks. You know, having having to do that sucks, especially if you're in a position where you have no choice. Like if you have, if your you know parish has been operating in the red for some time, just because of life and normal, or because of previous commitments made by the parish and stuff like that, um, and then you're in this situation, you don't have the savings, you know, to be able to keep people. So like you can like as pastors, like you can move forward, you know, guilt free, you know, on that stuff. It's like you you really like didn't have an option. You didn't have a choice. But in the culture code, uh, the argument would be made that it's not a individual that's letting people go. It's the team that has made that decision that mm. this is what we're going to do and everyone owns it. It's not an individual that has failed, but rather a group that has failed. When uh, when the Navy SEALs are doing their training and they fail, they fail together. So, okay, here's an example, right? We're going to be late to our training. And there's situations where it's like, okay, well, I'll just go ahead and run. I'll get there as fast as I can. I'll go ahead of everyone, and at least someone from our team will be there. But the teams that succeed better are the ones that say, stop. We're going to get destroyed today because we're showing up late. Let's make sure all of our gear is on and that we're completely ready because we're going to have to eat crow either way. So let's make sure we're prepared for it because we're going to have to endure greater. And they take the extra minute to breathe and put that stuff on. Yeah. And I see on a ministerial level, and you mentioned pastors, but I think I think ministry leaders everywhere fall into this category of like, how do we recognize that that the success of the ministry is now more than ever a community effort as opposed to an individual effort. And yes, there needs to be leadership that comes from us, but there needs to be collaboration, <laughs> empowering parents to be the small group leaders of their own children, because that's the only group that they have and they can see and interact with right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a reality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this is interesting too, because uh, yeah, like the team, like what it looks like now, you know, may help influence what it looks like in the future. Like what you said, because, you know, if the youth minister has an idea, oh, hey, I want, you know, to reach every single person in our program, you know, with a phone call. But if the team is not behind that, then that will fail. If the team, you know, doesn't think that's important, then that will fail, you know. And so it would be, hey, guys, I think it'd be valuable for like everyone to be reached. But if we don't do this as a team, it will not get done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially for those bigger programs. There's some smaller programs that are like, yeah, I can call everyone in my in my program in two hours, mm-hmm. right? Because because we only have twenty people registered or forty people registered. Um, there's others that are like a totally different scale, to where it has to depend on the team. But even the phone call is a great litmus test. If you call and they're like, "Hey, thanks for calling. I got your email. I'll make sure that I do the at home study. Thank you for checking in on me." Like almost like you're a principal calling yeah, to like punish the student. Yeah. But if it's if it's this phone call that and this is actually something that I've been just really blessed to experience um, is the phone call of, hey, I'm just calling to check in on you mm-hmm. and uh, want to make sure how's it going during this time. And, yeah, we get to that stuff to where it's like, hey, we've, we've empowered you with these different resources. Do you have any questions on it? No, that was great. Thanks so much. And then before I hang up, they say, hey, Chris, how are you and your family doing? Mm. 
and they turn the conversation around and they're they're being mutually pastoral to to one another um that shows me that the culture there is built of we're all in this together and they ask about you personally as opposed to just professionally i think that shows that you've made a step and if that's not there then start like we need to make sure that the first thing we're doing with the phone call is connecting mm-hmm. not delegating not uh instructing but connecting yep so from uh the, the leader's perspective where we are right now, it would like, and I don't know if this is what you're saying, but kind of uh, spelling out the steps that the parish is going to have to take, you know, in the next two months, like in almost immediately, once masses were canceled, an email like this or something like this could have gone out. The first month of not attending masses regularly, if our collections aren't maintained, then we're going to have to do this. And if we aren't able to maintain collections past that, we're going to have to do this. And if it continues in that path, then we're going to have to do this. So is that like passing the buck, pushing ownership onto them, you know, or is that uh, getting everybody in on the same page? I think that is uh, a couple of steps down the road. Mm-hmm. In regards to the, the leading with vulnerability, I think first it looks like this. Hey, we're not able to gather. I am so sorry that we can't see each other. It's so important that we gather as a community. And that means that many of you will have to make a spiritual communion as opposed to actually receive the Eucharist. I want to ensure you that at Mass this Sunday and every daily Mass that I celebrate, I will be lifting you up, our parishioners, you up during the liturgy, right? To, to acknowledge that hunger and that, that hurt. And then maybe a future communication looks something along the lines of, as the pastor of this parish, I'm called to provide for a number of different pieces. And there's logistical realities that include keeping the lights on and the buildings going, and but also salaries and ministries. And uh, and I'm in a place right now where it's really difficult because of tithing has gone down because we haven't gathered. I want to ask you for your help, and this is how we can win together. you know. And then maybe further down, now we've had to make a decision to where as a parish we have to release these people. So, that, I mean, I, I think that the vulnerability starts earlier. Uh, the priest who married my wife and I sent out a message, and it, it said this. Hey, this last Tuesday in our diocese, it happens on Tuesday, the chrism mass took place. And it was the first time in my 33 years as a priest that I was not able to attend the chrism mass. Wow. My heart is heavy with this, but I, uh, I participate or will participate digitally or whatever. And these will be the same oils that welcome people into the church that were not able to this, uh, this Easter vigil because of the, uh, the pandemic. Um, but, but, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing to hear. And it wasn't like, hey, oh, by the way, give money. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, I just need it. It was just like, hey, my heart hurts for this. I just wanted to share this with you. But I want to let you know that the oils that are, are, are going to be set aside or set apart, made holy at the Chrism Mass this Tuesday, are going to be the ones that we use in our parish to welcome people back into our church or welcome people deeper into our church when we're able to again. And so it was this this vulnerability met with this also hope, like the very oils that will be on those students who have now a delayed confirmation mm-hmm. sacrament, yep. right? They're, they're being prepared today or this week during Holy Week. It, it was really neat. So in all of this, um, one of the uh, lessons or one of the pieces they talked about in the Navy SEAL training that this guy from World War uh, World War One, um, his experience and how he reshaped it was the big pole. This 250 a pound, basically um, telephone pole. This huge log that a team of six people uh, place on their shoulder and they carry it with them and they do all these different maneuvers. And what they found is. Some of the teams that were less, um, I guess, had, had less strength 
as individuals or even as the total team, they worked together and they were able to do it better than the teams that had two or three guys that went in there with egos and be like, don't worry, guys, it's only 250 pounds. I can handle this pole by myself. Mm -hmm. And now when they're maneuvering it this way or that way, it's like one guy kind of forcing it instead of them working together as one mind and one one body together. Well, and the others get dependent on that person to carry more of the load. Correct. And then they also don't feel as much Mm buy-in. Well, he's just going to move it the way he wants, and I'm just going to get pushed around. I guess this is how it's going to be. As opposed to when a teammate stumbles, boom, now all of a sudden I feel 40 more pounds on my shoulder. And then I'm like, you can get back up. Not get back up, that hurt, but like, you can get back up. Take your time you need. I can, I can stand here while, while you do this. You know what I mean? And, and it's, just, it's just an amazing mentality to think about it because they found that in Navy SEAL training, the most successful groups were the ones who did not depend on the leadership of those leading the exercises but rather were able to do the problem solving in and of themselves. So during this time as ministry leaders, who are the people that you need to huddle together? Who are the people that are helping you carry this big log that you need to come and say, I need some thoughts, I need some input. How are we gonna continue moving forward? Who are the people, maybe even pastors, that you're gonna have to bring together and say, you know what, we're not gonna be able to hire everyone back. Mm-hmm. So what ministries are we going to be able to have successfully continue forward if we just have some volunteers lead it for a short time? Mm-hmm. Like, who are the people that are carrying this log with you? Think about it and then go to them in your own vulnerability and share, like, this is getting heavy and it feels like another 100 pounds is on my shoulders because I feel like I'm carrying it alone. And I very well may be because of the way that I've led up to this point, but I need that to change now. I cannot carry this alone. And this goes for like any ministry leader, not just uh, pastors, you know, but if you're uh, a youth minister or a DRE um, or any anything like that, director of evangelization, where um, you have been furloughed or your time has been cut in half, you may need to be doing other things in order to get some income back, you know. And so you, the time that you have to commit to what you were doing before is decreased. You may not have the time to do that because you've got to spend time doing other things to get income, you know, or whatever to support your family. So in a way, you're forced to rely on other people in, in the people that were in leadership, the people that were volunteering in your programs, reaching out to them and saying, hey, guys, I, I we need to be doing this for this group of people that we were serving. I cannot do it all on my own. Um, I've I've been let go. I've been, you know, furloughed. I've been, you know, my time has been cut in half. But this ministry still needs to be done, and I feel like it needs to be done in this way. Um, what part of it do you think you can do so that we can still serve this population? Right. Yeah, and so uh, a ministry leader reached out to me. I'm, I'm going to be furloughed in a couple of days. What should I do? And their idea was that they could uh, continue kind of volunteering their time in that position. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really discouraged that. I said, no, if, if you're going to be asked not to work, you should probably not work. Mm-hmm. Um but make a few phone calls over the next couple of days to your key volunteers. Because if it's a a team of six people that are holding that big 250 pound log, now it's a team of five people. And you need to let the rest of the team know, hey, here's a heads up, and I am so excited when I can stand back up. But the challenge is, is sometimes as ministry leaders and disciples, because the pathway of a disciple is lonely, sometimes we're carrying that whole log by ourselves, and if we get furloughed or we have to step away, there's no one else to carry that log. 
And so look at your structure, look at your leadership, and look at the people that you lean on. It is okay to take risks in delegation during this time. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And the beautiful thing is there are so many people out there that are like, is there anything I can do to help Jesus during this pandemic? Yep. And you're like, yeah, could you call the youth from your small group? Could you call the parents from your uh, from your RCIA class and just check in to see how they're doing? Could you encourage people on social media to engage in Holy Week via the online forums that we have? Those, those different things, and people are like, yes. And now they're doing ministry by making a phone call, something as simple as making a phone call, and they're feeling emboldened to be Christ in those areas. We need to be powerful delegators and empowerers during this season. And this may also be a good, uh, I don't know, for those who continue in ministry after this, because I know that we're going to lose, we're going to lose ministry leaders um, through this, you know, whether they've been laid off or, or whatever, like the church will lose out on having them lead. And you're talking about professional, Correct. like uh, salaried. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, but then uh, moving forward, those who remain, those who come back, I think this will be a good you know, I don't know, this may be convicting for us if it did fall apart because we weren't in a paid position running it, then we're doing something wrong. Um, there, there should be a, a group of people that is, you know, uh, like helping execute what we do so that if we leave, if we die, the ministry doesn't just end. It doesn't just stop. You know, there is a group of people there carrying the log with us, and we aren't that one strong person trying to force the, the log into the different places and, and doing it ourselves. Yeah, and from a, a youth ministry or a, a children's ministry perspective, it's not people carrying the log with us. It should be us carrying the log with people. Yes. In other words, parents are the primary heralds of the faith. And so it would be so neat to work ourselves not out of a job, but into a different position. Right now, it seems like the bulk of faith formation depends upon the ministry leader at the church, and they give the information to the parents, and this is how we've journeyed with your child, and this is how we've, uh, this is some of the at-home study that you could do. But how cool would it be if we ran into another pandemic 10 years from now, and it's a situation to where it's like, hey, Chris, no big deal. We already do so much faith stuff in the home. Yours was just icing on the cake. And so we're going to have to eat some cake without icing for the time being. And that's a bummer. We're sad about that. But our kids are still going to be formed very well Mm -hmm. during this time because that's what we do as parents, right? Instead, it's become so outsourced. And this is a bigger problem in the church. This is probably a different podcast topic altogether. (laughs) But But it's been outsourced for so long, since the 70s, that when something like this happens, it's like faith formation almost feels like it hits the brakes altogether. And we're just like, oh, no, we have to give parents at-home resources. <laughs> we should have been giving parents at-home resources all along. This whole time. Because that is, that is their primary task. They stood there at the child's baptism. We weren't around at the child's baptism. They made that commitment, and we should equip them to be successful in that commitment, whether corona is present or not. Yeah. And right? what we're learning to do right now at this time, we absolutely should keep doing when we're back like together, when classes resume in, in the fall, we should still be providing resources like we are right now for parents in the fall. Yeah, and accessibility as well. Yep. So all of a sudden we've discovered Zoom, <laughs> you know, like, okay, so a parent is not available to meet during office hours because they have a job, a nine to five or whatever. And 
I'm not available to meet at 6.30 p.m. because I'm feeding my kids or bathing my kids or putting them down. But you know what? At 8.15, when the little ones are down, I can absolutely jump on a Zoom call and have a, a, a pseudo face-to-face meeting with this parent to equip and empower them. Yeah. What if our accessibility, our availability to those that we serve changes to where it's okay if we're at home and, uh, and just jumping on a call or a Zoom meeting after hours because that's the only way we're doing things now. And you know what? Some of it's pretty effective. Yes, some of it's very inconvenient. It feels like a uh, not a full portion, but some of it actually works pretty well. Yeah, and, and even like, it's, it sounds weird, but like this podcast is done over Zoom, right? And we do that because we want to see each other face-to-face. It would see each other like, like our reactions, you know, as we're talking, it makes a difference. And now because everybody's doing it, like I, I, can't, I can't imagine that there are that many people who have not been on at least one Zoom call or one video call in the last few weeks, right? So now you have like a huge portion of your population that you serve that are comfortable with this, that have been exposed to this. So you can't, you don't have that excuse of, oh, well, I don't know how to do it, you know, because you're being forced to do it, <laughs> almost everybody, you know, or my parents don't know how to do it. It's like, no, like everybody is going through this right now. Now, that may be like a wide, a, a huge overstatement, but uh, I'd be curious to see how many, like the proportion of Americans or whatever who have been on a Zoom call in the last, you know, few weeks as compared to the weeks before that. Oh, yeah. No, it's 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 totally digital technology is now becoming uh, the norm of communication. I still miss those in-person meetings. So I like, still miss those. You, we have meetings, um, whether it's parents, RCA, whatever, youth ministry, at the beginning of the year next year, and you know half of the parents come. What's to keep us from doing a Zoom call like after that or a Zoom meeting after that for those who can't make that meeting? Right. There's no reason why we can't make it available. And, and, and instead of putting the blame on them in, in, or, or going bending over backwards like crazy for ourselves, to have 30 one-on-ones afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we wouldn't yeah. have to do that, you know. And so I'm excited for what this means for ministry moving forward. But we can't just say, oh, well, that's what we had to do during the quarantine. We don't have to do it anymore. Right, exactly. So I, I guess uh, two, two kind of closing thoughts for me as, as we start to wrap up. Number one, this pandemic, it stinks. Yep. But there is grace and blessing in this pandemic that I don't want us to miss out on after the pandemic goes away. Amen. And I, I think that the digital technology reality or the digital ministry reality, I think, should be here to stay. And and as well as empowering and equipping the parents to be successful at home, should be here to stay. And, uh, and I know that uh, there are many amazing ministry leaders that were already doing this sort of thing. But uh, for the rest of us... <laughs> Shame on us. Shame on me for not uh, utilizing and equipping and empowering the parents all along. Yep. Absolutely. And then, yeah. And then the second piece would be, um, this is a time where the weight of that log that you're carrying, you really get to know, do I have my team of six, like my Navy SEAL training? Do I have my team of six people that are carrying it with me? Or does it feel like I'm doing it on my own? And I believe that vulnerability is the pathway to get other people to step in and say, nope, I'm going to help carry this log as well. And it takes time to build that hive mind to where we're all operating together. But vision, mission, purpose, all that stuff comes to help make that a reality. So take a step back, take a breath and look at it and say, who are my team of six to be able to make this a reality? Because if my job gets cut or furloughed, who are the people that are going to still carry this log forward? Excellent. 
Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, let's continue this conversation online, share ideas, struggles, all that stuff on our Facebook page, Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Just search that. If you have, guys have any feedback, please send us uh, all, that info, all that information, all that feedback to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time to pray for other ministry leaders this week. In fact, I want you to both share this podcast and, uh, and pray for those who are part of your six, your team that's carrying that log. Share this podcast with them so they can hear it together as well. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless.